Hey, I am Sable B, founder and creator of Real Brown Girls. And that's actually my business, but I do have a full-time job. I'm the U.S. Director of Programs for Fearless Futures, which is a diversity, equity, and inclusion organization. That said, I love to tell people very simply, I'm a brown girl from Brooklyn, New York. I think that's very important. It's a very integral part of my story, my personality, who I am, why I am the way I am, and a whole bunch of other things. So, like, a lot of people have, like, and I went to this school, and I went to that school. Never been my style. Not my way of doing things. But, yes, yeah, Sable B, brown girl from Brooklyn. That's me. I like that. <laughs> what was life like growing up in Brooklyn? Well, that's an interesting part. I'm not someone who could say I was born and raised in Brooklyn. I think of Brooklyn as my roots. So my first four years of life were there. Then I spent about 18 months in Memphis, Tennessee. Then I spent two years in Chicago, Illinois. Then I came back to New York and my father was in Brooklyn. My mother was in Harlem and I split time between them. So from fourth grade to graduating from high school, it was back and forth between Brooklyn and Harlem, New York. Um, That said, Brooklyn's the only place that at any span at any point in my life felt like home. And it's the place where, like, my grandmother has always been and certain family members have always been. Therefore, if it's like, I want to go home, Chicago's not home, Memphis isn't home, Harlem isn't home, Brooklyn's home. So as far as, like, what it was like to grow up, having attended four different elementary schools just by virtue of moving around so much, I am very much a chameleon that can um, adapt to my surroundings, no matter where I am. That can be a frustrating experience. It can be an easy experience depending on the environment, but it is something that has helped me tremendously in career, relationships, friendships, like all of that jazz, just the ability to really learn how to be me no matter where I am because I had to learn very early. Your surroundings will not stay the same. But what's authentic to you can stay the same. No. So it's really funny. I was just the other day about the benefit of moving a lot and how I think that was something for me as a kid. I also, we moved around a lot uh, and I just felt like it was something that I looked forward to. I never looked at it in a bad way. Mm-hmm. I got to meet new people. I got to see new things. Um, you get to adjust. You know, and that's that's just the reality of of life itself is you're always going to be in a situation where you have to learn. I think there's pros and cons to moving a lot, period, point blank. And I think that some personalities are just naturally better equipped to deal with the stress of moving. I mean, of the top five things that people are stressed out for and about moving is one of them be it adult or child um so I was not one of those kids that looked forward to moving at all couldn't stand it hated it 100% however looking back would have liked to stay in one place or at least moved a little bit less absolutely I still be like ma you moved me too much I have never changed my position on that but I'm able to see 
what it did allow me to gain. So that's kind of like my position on that. So I'm not a parent at this juncture, but I did used to teach high school. And my realization is having had some younger um, cousins in my family who've had to move a lot for various reasons and those who haven't, there are certain personalities of just children in general where that fits who they are naturally. And then there's children where it just doesn't work out quite that well. Um, And then there's support that has to come there. So I think for me, if I find myself having to make those decisions, what because people move for a bunch of reasons. And my, for me, it was new jobs that my mother was getting. Like, she wasn't just like, oh, and let's move. It was like, oh, there's this amazing opportunity. You're obviously my child. You're going with me. Um, so, you know, people move for various reasons. I think what I have learned from that is, depending on the personality of a child, if I do have children, it's there's conversations that need to take place beforehand, during, and after to make sure that child's okay if that's one of those children that's just like that's not their thing and they're not adjusting too well I mean do you think that it is an important life skill to be able to adapt absolutely but you don't have to move to get that skill like that's a dramatic and often traumatic experience for people it wasn't traumatic for me I just didn't enjoy the process of it all um And in such short spans, like within four years, I'm in four different places or three different places. That's a lot when when you're a primary. Like, that's a lot. Um, So like I said, I think it's just if that is the reality for people, understanding that little children are still human beings with feelings and emotions and not to overlook the stress that could potentially be there, even if they don't have the emotional acuity to verbalize it in such a way because they just don't have that grasp and understanding yet that conversations should come before, during, and after. Just so it's like there's still a feeling of comfort and understanding as to what's going on at the level that's appropriate for the child. But I think that in too many cases, it wasn't necessarily mine, but I've seen it because I've taught in too many cases It's just like, I'm the adult, I know better, which might be true. It also might not be all the way true, but that doesn't dismiss the fact that there's a human being that you're dealing with and all of the things that are happening, if it is a move or just something else that could be a traumatic experience for that person, for that child, has to be handled with care. And I think people overlook that sometimes a bit too much when it comes to children. I'm in 100% agreeance with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also was a teacher, so the similarities are kind of weird. But um, I just saw a lot, and I have my own children, and I just saw a lot of things that I realized we definitely tend to overlook anything our youth have to say, and especially if they're younger. Yeah. Yeah, like – a teenager might be more vocal about not wanting to move or being stressed out about moving or not liking where they're moving to their new school or what have you. A three-year-old and a five-year-old and a seven-year-old might express that very differently. Um, So it's like, you know, there's other ways to know how to adapt and to learn how to adapt. Absolutely. People move all the time. It's the reality of life, whether it's state to state, city to city, neighborhood to neighborhood, like whatever it is from one county to another county, like what have you. It's just the recognition that 
children are still human beings. They might be little in size and height and weight and what have you, but to handle the care, like to just handle that entire process with care, it would just be something I would want. Um, like if I had this like children's platform, it's like, just consider that. Because like I said, some personalities, they're spont. you know, some children are just spontaneous from the very beginning. They love to be in new places and like that, they, they would adapt very, um, not very, but nece- not necessarily, but more quickly or with more ease. Whereas another more reserved child, that might cause some serious shock for them. So how do you feel like for the most part, you adjusted to these challenges? It was a blend. It was 100% a blend. There were conversations that took place before, during, and after, not necessarily to the life that I would have appreciated. I think that for me in particular, I did okay with the first move. I did okay with the second move. It was the third move where my spirit was like, okay, you're doing too much and I can't handle this again. So it's like being aware of what's happening to your child. If you have a happy-go-lucky child and all of a sudden they're more reserved, they're more, they're pulling back, they're not talking as much, smiling as much, joking as much, singing, dancing, playing with Legos, whatever it is that they normally do, they're not doing as much. It's like pay attention to the signs, which is hard to do when you have your job. You might be married. You might be going through a divorce. Like, your mother might be sick. You, there's so many things that just come with the world of adulthood. But reminding yourself, like, something that I might be doing or not doing or saying or not saying could potentially have a negative impact on my child. And most people that are in therapy, they're not in therapy because of something that happened when they were 35 or 42. They're in therapy because of something that happened when they were a child. That has manifested in very unhelpful and unhealthy ways in their adulthood. So it's like when you make that connection, it's like, "Mm, let me just slow down a little bit and make sure that everything is okay. And if everything's not okay, let's figure out how to address it. Once my mother realized like your, her child is not okay. She put my little ass in therapy. So how old were you? At this time, then. Eight, so this was after eight, your third move? Eight years old. I didn't know what a therapist was. Um, I didn't know why she put me in therapy, but I think she finally figured out. And I wasn't act like I was the goody two shoes, straight A's kid. I did all my homework fast early. I wanted to help. Here's an apple. Like, I was that kid. I didn't go from that kid to like, and now she's in trouble and now she's in detention. Like, I didn't do one of those like 180s. However, she began to notice, like, hmm. My child is not being herself. Something's happening here. She won't talk to me. Let me get her someone she feels she, she can talk to or she might potentially open up to. And I just remember us having a conversation. I don't know where we were. Let's just say we were home for conversation sakes. And she was just like, I'm, we're gonna, I made an appointment for you. And, you know, we're going to bring you to this individual. It was a black therapist. It was a man. Um, and she was like, I just want you to talk to him. We, we've had a, a, like a bizarre couple of years here. And I just feel like it might be easier for you to kind of process exactly what you're feeling. She was like, you can always talk to me, but I have to be honest, like, that's not my specialty. There's like people for that. 
And if you don't like him, you don't have to see him ever again. And if you do like him, you'll keep going. And if you want to talk to someone, but you realize it's not him, I'll find you someone else. Next thing I know, I'm seeing this person every Saturday. Apparently, I liked him. I can't tell you his name if you paid me. But what I also appreciated was her recognition that something's happening here and I need to step in. And stepping in is not always her addressing it. It's recognizing that she has the power to do something to address it for her child. And that's what she did. So I'm a very big advocate of like, okay, you might be mom, you might be dad, but what's going on here? And what can you do as parent to make sure child is okay emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, et cetera, et cetera. So leading from that, what did you, what was your dream job when you were a kid? Oh, I was going to be, I was all over the place. First grade, I was a triple threat. I was going to be a dancer, an actor, a singer. Then I was like, oh, you know what? That's a lot of work. I'm going to be a doctor. And then I realized I had to deal with blood. I was like, "Mm, maybe not that. And then it was like, well, I love the performance arts. I was in dance classes and piano lessons and all that jazz. So I was like, okay, something in those lines. And everyone was like, yeah, 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 you're going to be a teacher. And I was like, yeah, no, try again. Fast forward, I am in college and I'm studying history. And next thing you know, I'm a teacher. And I was like, all right, y'all was right. Screw you, humans. Um, So I wouldn't say that I had a dream job. I would just say that anything that I had interest in, my parents provided the forum for me to explore it. And through that, I found things that I was passionate about and I've been able to merge that into a career, but I wasn't someone who was like, I'm going to be a lawyer and this is what I'm going to do. And I know I'm going to be C-suite and I know I'm going to be part at the firm or like that engineer. Like that wasn't, that wasn't the type of thing um, for me. In fact, before I started school, university, Um, I'm around a lot of Europeans, which is why you might hear me just saying uni. But like before I started at the university, um, my mother was basically like, look, let's just let me just be frank with you. Most people don't end up in the field in which they studied. So study something that you love and that you are very much interested in and you'll do the work for. Because at this point in life, everyone needs a master's degree anyway. So since an undergraduate degree is now the equivalent of a high school diploma, you might as well just study what you love. And that's how I ended up with Black history and education and French. I think that's important, too, for the women who are listening, or men, sorry. (laughs) But But the people who are listening, that you were someone who didn't necessarily have this grand plan figured out. Because I think a lot of people... And a lot of younger kids to high schoolers, you know, they get fixated on like not having it all together. And it doesn't mean that you can't find something or create something at some point just because you don't really know. Yeah, I think that the that common theme of must having to have it figured out. I think that that's a greater symptom of society as a whole and the pressure 
and the way that we just set up like what it means to be successful, what that looks like and what you must do to achieve that. So if you go, if you're going for, and though the American dream has shifted in a way, it's still very much at its core, the same that it was decades ago. If that's like your operating schema, then you are going to be a stressed out 14 year old about, well, let's say a 12-year-old about what high school you go to. You will be a stressed out high school student about what college you get into, your SAT scores or your ACT scores, and who, what extracurricular activities that you're doing and whether or not you're the president of that or the head of that, and what teacher's going to recommend you, what awards you're going to get, your GPA. You will be stressed out once you get to that college about maintaining this same degree of like perfectionism So once you graduate, you can now have a job that pays you well. So you just continue up this like exhausting corporate ladder because that's pretty much like the trajectory of the the standard American dream that people are still very much buying into because that's just the way in which our society has been woven together. Um, So it is hard for people to realize like one, you can woosaw just for a second two you can go to sleep because that goes against the like i'll sleep when i'm dead grind mentality it's also bizarre for people to realize you can hey guys you want to know how you can keep supporting the show for as little as one dollar a month if you visit patreon.com slash warrior her podcast you can sign up on different levels this will include access to early recordings unedited versions and even input on what guests i should have on the show next Thank you so much for your support. Again, patreon.com slash warrior her podcast. That's real good for a lot of reasons. And that's how the podcast came about. Uh, that is how I I had to have that very real conversation with myself. Uh, I do not think that there's anything with education. I have a master's degree. I'm pursuing my PhD. I love education for the sake of education. Uh, I do, however, think that the way that our society changes and the things that are happening, especially in like underprivileged communities, that the idea of the American dream is no longer, right? Like go to school, you'll get a good job, it'll pay really well. Uh, So that is how the idea of this podcast came about is women who kind of live life on their own terms and are either creating businesses or, you know, have a nine to five, but also have their own side business and, or maybe they don't have a business at all, mm-hmm. you know? And so tell me now, as we move into segment two about creating real Brown girls, where that came from. Um, I would love to say that I had some like real deep thought provoking story. Um, so when people ask that, I'm like, yeah, that's just not, that's not here. So if that's what you're looking for and you're listening, I'm just going to begin with, I apologize. That said about five years ago, there were a few women who I do not know, did not know personally, but they were young women in their early twenties who had committed suicide, who at that time in the social media space had quite a sizable platform. We're talking years ago. So this is not, you know, the days, these current days of like 1.5 million, 500,000 followers, et cetera. But they had 
a, a pretty solid following and based on what was shared online one will easily derive the conclusion that things things were well and they were fine and three of them all committed suicide within like a three month span of each other and it wrestled my spirit in a very um aggressive manner because I too was going through my own thing wasn't online really like I didn't have real brown girls I wasn't I barely had a personal profile Instagram wasn't my thing Facebook wasn't my thing I still don't really tweet very well um but I learned about that and I was just like I can resonate well it resonates with me this feeling of being at the very bottom like being at your lowest low and I could comprehend because of what I was going through how someone could go like really the e- not the easiest way out but the best way out that I can see at this juncture is just to end it because then I don't have to deal with anything else. And it bothered me that people were shocked because so often when people say they're not okay, we don't believe them and we rush to tell them it will be okay. We actually don't always allow space for someone to not be okay and to just sit in that moment and in that discomfort of recognizing like somebody's hurting right now because people, humans are humans. You just want to fix it. But sometimes rushing to want to fix it doesn't fix anything. It actually makes it worse. So I didn't know these women at all. And I, I was very much impacted by it. And then a few months later, I was sitting on my sofa. Well, I'll say my mother's sofa because that was her house. Um, But I was sitting on the sofa and I just heard the words real brown girls. I'm home alone, by the way, Courtney. Um, So I'm like, oh, word, ghost, got it. Um, And I heard it again and I was like, cool. I don't know what this means, so Happy New Year, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, and so forth and so forth. Um, And then by February that following year, I heard it again. And I was like, okay, I'm supposed to do something with this. What? Hell if I know. I just know I'm supposed to do something with it. So I text one of my really good friends. I was like, how you make an Instagram? Um, I don't know how any of this works. And she was like, you are so old. I was like, that's not the point educate me girl um so I started the profile and it was very much um like makeup and beauty and all these things that's just so not me I think it's great when people beat their face to the guys and I think beautiful people are amazing but like I wear a chapstick every day and I just draw my eyebrows and that's the extent of what I do so after a few months of that and not to interrupt this important thought but if you guys see her on her website she's beautiful so this chapstick oh that's a makeup artist that ain't me i can't do that but still you can tell when someone's still naturally thank you i'm just saying like if you said sable do that i'd laugh because i'm like well we gotta call somebody because i can't pull that off um so after a couple of weeks of that and there's like getting followers and all that kind of thing and i'm figuring out how all that works I was like, girl, stop lying. Like, this is not what you do. Like, you don't discuss makeup with your friends. Like, let's just be frank. I don't discuss beauty, even to this day. Like, if I'm talking about beauty and makeup, it's in a very different context than, like, what concealer I should buy. Um, So once I switched the content 
to more about career and life because that's what my friends come to like resume interview etc etc so and so said this to me how should I respond or I'm feeling this excuse me what should I do when I switched that content is when real brown girls began to grow um in that online space and I was like oh I guess I need a logo and like a website because I didn't have any of that when I began it was truly just Instagram I was like okay we got to do things here so it wasn't and for those who's listening who feel like it has to be perfect to start you should see the first generation logo y'all it was hilarious but I knew I needed a logo but I didn't know a graphic artist like I wasn't aware of that like that's not the space I was in I was in a very like teaching education space there's not a bunch of graphic artists around you every day there's teenagers and other teachers and principals and parents um and you don't necessarily know what the parents do so I was like okay my mother's in marketing I know the pieces of the presentation I've never had to put together those pieces of that aesthetic presentation so eventually there's website the Instagram is growing there's actually a logo that looks respectable and not like a three-year-old put it together. I've seen some beautiful art by three-year-olds, but like on average, there's no Picasso happening from a three-year-old, um, at least from my perspective. And after a while, I was like, oh, like the people are listening. This is what the people want. Not that this would necessarily prevent anyone from committing suicide. Like that wasn't the mission at all. But I wanted people to feel heard I wanted women to feel seen and I wanted women to feel believed about what they go through at work and at home Um, and then it just kind of took off from from there there was no business plan there was no and we're gonna do this and we're gonna do that and we're gonna do that no it was literally just going day by day and figuring things out as I went along and why did you decide to provide um, this like network specifically for women of color? I think that it was important. Well, having networks are important, period, point blank. Um, whether that network is specifically for career use, for like next job, I need it in, whatever, whatever. Um, networks are important when you want to buy a house do you know a broker do you know a real estate agent do you know a lawyer for the closing etc etc so networks are just part of life they're necessary they're helpful they help you function therefore if they are positive for those women who might be lacking a network because they did not pledge at school or they aren't part of NABLA because they're not an accountant or they're not they're not a part of Nesby because they're not an engineer like just then their path has not connected them to a network because it was not already just built and baked into the way things were and the way things are and have been that doesn't mean that you should be operating outside of a network because there's still strength in a network so that was part of we need to get together and it's not always career things. Sometimes you just want to sit at the kitchen table and talk shit because I do that really, really well, just for the record. Um, and then sometimes you want to get like really sophisticated and use all of your big language and all your multisyllabic words to discuss some article that you read on The Guardian. Who knows? But just this notion that we're multifaceted and when we are living in a global economy 
where people are no longer staying at the same job for 30 years, much less in the same field or industry, it would be extremely helpful for women of color who are already operating from beyond the zero point at the number line to have plug in to a multinational, multi-industry network. Like, I would sign up for that in a heartbeat. So how how did how did Real Brown Girls go from being this little idea to what it is now? Listening to my heart, my gut, my spirit, my mind, my intuition, which is pretty much all synonyms if I think about it. Um, they're all synonymous. So who's an, who is the ideal client for Real Brown Girls? See, it's not a client. It's like who's the, the ideal member of a community? It's someone who loves life but knows there's time that she doesn't. It's someone that's trying her hardest but knows sometimes shit is stacked up against her but wants to overcome that, wants to learn how to navigate that, or want, knows how to navigate that, but no longer wants to navigate that alone. It's someone who realizes there's value in not only your professional life, but what happens before you get to work and what happens afterward. So it is truly for me, it's like, it's your girl next door. It's the person you would take with you to the mall to buy the dress, the cocktail dress for the event, it's also the same person that you say, hey, I'm about to have this interview or submit this resume to this position. Can you check my resume for me real quick? Like, that's the perfect person. The person who knows what she wants and is comfortable with what she wants and recognizes what she wants might be different than the person next to her. But if they support each other, they can both get what they want together. Uh, I, think I, I think I qualify. Um, welcome aboard there's no application <laughs> process there's, <laughs> there, there's no panel of judges who go hmm, I don't think this one quite fits like that's just not what we do it's not that's not who I am I love that I love that so much but how do you find these people is there a marketing strategy or is it now just word of mouth from people who've been at your events yeah it's been with you thus far it's been very grassroots word of mouth this year will be a rollout of a more sophisticated marketing strategy but it was important for me to start small because I recognize if I can't handle and manage small I will not be able to handle and manage a mass influx so it was important for me that it was someone who's met me before at an event or if you didn't meet me, you met like a chapter president who has met me and can talk to me and can text me and can say, Sable, what the hell is going on? And I can be like, I don't know, but let's figure it out together. Um, or I can say, I know exactly what's going on. This is what you do. Um, or this is what I think you should do. Whoever has the best idea that wins, like that's the one we'll go with. So Thus far, it's been very grassroots and word of mouth, but there will be a rollout this year of a, a bigger marketing strategy just to let the women know that this is an option, this is here, and there are services available for you, and there's a network you can tap into if you so choose to. And I think that's the most important thing is like if you so choose to. There's no forcing, there's no, well, there's a value of a th- 
a billion dollars and you can get this. Like, that's just not who I am at my core. It's just if you care about others, yourself, and truly see the power and potential and us doing things together, then, like, for all means, like, come aboard, come sit at the table. That's a great segue as well into how you plan on scaling. The membership is the scale. The membership is the scale for me. So tell the listeners just about the membership and what that means. So it's that national multi-industry network that has this online platform where think of it like Facebook, but it's not Facebook. You have your profile. There's live events. There's online events. There's local events. There are master classes there are recordings there are pdfs there are downloads there are videos there's other women you can chat to you can be in there and have an entire conversation with someone via direct message and i would have no idea that's not my business i can't see it that's illegal anyway um so it's just this plugging into a heartbeat that you could actually get some oxygen from when you're feeling dehydrated and weak in life and work and so how do the memberships like what are the the ranges for membership there is no range it's 75 dollars a year Ooh, okay 75 dollars a year mm-hmm. and will that in order to scale will that eventually possibly go up or will that just will you maybe offer like packages so that you can have more exclusive membership it might if it went i don't think it would go up i think it would be a scenario where The general membership is $75 a year. If you attend any online event, it's free for you as a member. You've already paid that. If there's something that's happening local in your city, then there would be a ticket cost to that. But it would be discounted because you're a paid member. Now, if there's something super special and super exclusive that might be happening, then that's a whole paid thing altogether in and of itself. But what Um, it's something that's really, really, really really important to me from watching the women in my family and, you know, friends and the women in their family, just based on our economic status and the realities of being paid less, et cetera, et cetera. I think people should absolutely charge their value. What hurts my heart on a very spiritual and guttural level is when People who really, really want it are getting priced out. That feels so unfair to me. And that's something that that I never want to do. That part. (laughs) So it's like, yes, will there be things? Maybe it's not RBG specific, but like, will there be things that has a higher ticket cost, a higher price point? Yes. But I cannot I would not be able to sleep at night knowing that everything that I have has such a high ticket cost that the average black woman in this country based on her net worth could not pay and keep her lights on and put gas in her car to go to work to come home to feed her children and pay back her student loans her car note etc 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 and for people who are listening you know there's going to be some people who are interested in starting a business or maybe just more consumer minded people. I do want people to understand that there is a cost to everything. So $75 a year, first of all, is insanely affordable, Mm -hmm. but 
there is a cost. So, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, people on social media or people complaining about prices or why is this expensive? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you don't have a business and you don't have employees or you're not, you know, creating products, the cost of everything is expensive. You have to pay an employee. You have to pay to rent a space. You have to pay for materials. You have to pay for food if there's food. So just think about that as you're listening and just to try to understand that there, not every time, right? Like some of the things she's referring to are can get astronomical. You know, you pay $20,000 to go to some networking conference and it's, you know, people are taking out mortgages, taking out yeah, it's mortgages like for this stuff. $5,000 or something. And you don't, you might leave with utter goodness. You might not. Who knows? Um, some things have a better track record and, and reputation than others. But it is important to recognize there is a cost to everything. There is a cost. And I think what's important for people if they are someone who wants to start a business, it's like, what are your values and where do they lie? With the way capitalism is, there is a values clash often if you put people before product. Um, so that's just something that a person would have to reconcile with themselves. Also, it's like you can be a social entrepreneur, which is probably the bucket that I fit under more than just like standard like CEO of blah 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 venture capitalist investment of etc etc like I definitely fit more on the social entrepreneurship side um, I never heard that I like that yeah you gotta I dig into it girl that. yeah um, also I think what is important there's also this there's also this whole um, corporate social responsibility CSR thing that's happening you should dig into um, that's more of like um, for hardcore S core C core businesses, but you know, I don't want to say hardcore, those that register that way, I should say legally with, for tax reasons. Um, but back to like businesses, why are you going into business? What type of lifestyle do you want? Which is why it's like, it still goes back to what I mentioned earlier on. Like what does success look like for you? Because I really think it's important for realize success for everyone is not materialistic. It's not the bigger house. It's not, the luxury car. It's not um, flying first class, which is extremely comfortable for the record. I've never done it, but I've seen the pictures. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying I can't wait to my day. I'm acting all the way up. Um, so it's like, what does it look like for you? Because you could be an entrepreneur that after all your expenses and taxes and whatever is said and done, if you're living in a smaller town or a less costly town than like where I am and the tri-state of New York, you could have a wonderful life at like $100,000, $80,000. And actually, on average, in this country, the average entrepreneur is only making $80,000 a year, just to be clear. Um, so we're hearing a lot of exceptions to the story and not looking at the math. Yeah, we look at the outliers often. So All the time. At, you know, the Grant Cardones and exactly. we're looking at Beyonce and Jay-Z and thinking, damn, we're really yeah. not doing what we need so to do. Like, and it's like, there's a huge yeah. spectrum in being able to produce for yourself. And it's and like, do well. what do you need to take home to be comfortable and do well? That might not require you to tr have a product that would be considered luxury due to its price. That might not be necessary. 
Maybe you want to have that. You just want five clients for the year and you're done. Who knows? But it's something to sit back and discover with yourself. Like, what would that look like? Do I want to be one-on-one with people? Do I want groups? Do I want to, after all things are said and done, do I want $200,000 at the end of the year? Or am I okay with 80? That's a question you have to ask yourself. And a DC, 80s doable, 80s hard in a San Francisco, in a Chicago, in a LA, in a New York. But there's people making way less who are doing fine. So it's like, what does success look like for you? And have you truly defined it for yourself? Because many of us are picking entrepreneur as the ticket, like the, the um, what is it? What, uh, is it Willy Walker in the Chocolate Factory? Like the gold ticket? When... You don't really want the prize, but you've been told you wanted the prize so long since birth. You've internalized this outcome, but you're not really attached to it. And then you get it, and it doesn't feel good. So then what's before I get to what's next? Mm-hmm. Tell me, can you tell me a little bit about what your first live event was like and how that's changed since? Real Brown Girls Inception. Oh, so my first live event was in October of 2015. And it was a brunch that I actually put on with a friend, Ayana Angel. Um, she runs Switch Pivot. She does a Switch Pivot Quit podcast. And she runs um, Maybe's Media, Maisie's Media. But um, it's a wonderful company. You should look into it. But... Um, we put together a brunch and it was to curate experiences for women of color. So it's like, you might buy this ticket with your friend, but it was almost like a wedding. We had a seating chart. We took a questionnaire ahead of time. Like, what do you like? What are you interested in? Who do you need to meet? And we're going to make sure you sit next to these people. And we're going to really like look at who's coming and introduce folks to each other. So you could leave having made actual connections because some people do well with and just walking up to someone and be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. And some people, like, that's just not their thing. Um, did you charge for this event? Yeah, we did. Was it, a free event? it would be charged for it. Um, and it was $50. And you had your... And how many people did you have? I think there were about 35. Solid. Yeah. I don't... All right, do you remember how much you paid for, just to give people an idea of well, a little bit more of the financial part of it? Do you remember was, how much you paid to rent the space or anything? We did it at a restaurant, so you didn't have to rent the space some restaurants do make you rent out the room but we didn't have to rent the space what you did have to do for that particular restaurant and a lot of them will do this with you it's like you pick a set menu ahead of time at a prefix price um Mm -hmm. so from there that's how we decided how we were going to charge for the ticket you Mm -hmm. obviously want to make money off of the event or you're just doing it for the sake of doing it which is totally fine if that's your thing it's just your first event and you just need pictures for proof and all that jazz um, but it's like you can negotiate with folks so it wasn't bottoms, bottomless mimosas or any of that but everyone got two drinks there's always someone who doesn't drink so by the end like folks was drunk wasn't the goal but it happened um, they were very happy and all I was like oh y'all tipsy um, so like that was like a cost thing in general and then you have the tax or whatever and then this in New York so I feel like tax is like a thousand percent totally exaggerated. It's 8.75, but it still feels like a thousand. Mm. Um, and then that was that it was very low key. We didn't do a photographer. We didn't have a banner. There was any of those like aesthetics that come with events now. 
Um, but women left having made actual connections. Some are friends to this day. It's 2019. Well, oh, it's 2020. So friends, some are friends to this day. I actually met like a new friend there. And then women, they even part, some people partnered together and did an event, partnered together and started a brand, met with people like, like things actually came out of that event. I was like, this is why, like, this is what we wanted. We wanted you to not just take pictures for the gram, but to talk to. Which also gives you more business opportunity because now they can get an idea that it's real. Yeah. (laughs) Real. That was cute. I like that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so that was like, that was the first one. That one will be free. That one will be free. I'll give you more. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Put it on my tab, please. Um, I'll add it to my monthly things that I have to pay for. Um, And like, yeah, that was the first one. And we had a blast. We thought it started at 11. We'd be out by like 132. I was like, it's four o'clock. Y'all got to leave. Like the restaurant sick of us. Y'all got to go. We're tired. Someone showed, oh my God, girl, I had my scarf on, head tied, not in the front, sweatpants and all. She showed up at like 10, 15. And we were like, is she here for us? Like we looked at our phones like it's early. So we told her, like, look, you going to help us? It was such, like, we are black and we are all, like, you going to help us set up, sis, or you got to get out and come back? Like, you got two, you got two options because you're just way too early for us. Um, we also had place cards with names and, like, a little note. Like, we just wanted you to feel as though we thought about you, we considered you, and you mattered, and you're more than the ticket that you paid for. That was important. That was very important for them to go, like, oh, you, like, hand-wrote my name. You sat me next to someone that I should meet. Like, you thought about this beyond, like, oh, this is a pretty centerpiece. This is a pretty picture, which are all important parts of an event. But the experience and what are they going to say after? Like, people are like, oh, it's dope. Or I love the flowers. Like, that's just not really what people say after an event. They're like, oh, it's very pretty. It was well-decorated or what have you. But, like, what? What did you leave with? What were your key takeaways? And that's probably like just the teacher in me, but like I need to know that you gained something from this. So what are three tips that you could give to women that might be listening who want to start, but maybe they don't have a lot of capital or a lot Mm -hmm. of resources to just start where they are? One, get creative. You don't need a lot of capital or resources. I certainly didn't have a bunch of capital or resources. And my first logo was a hot mess. Just start, which leads to two. I often say being a perfectionist is synonymous with procrastinating. What are you really scared of? Get to the root of that. This whole, like, I got to have it perfect. Yeah, uh-huh, but why? Like, on the surface, it sounds really good. Like, it must be perfect. For who? For why? for what dig there and just spend some time with that so let's get creative don't procrastinate because don't you know pretend to be a perfectionist because I fully believe it's synonymous with procrastination sometimes like done is just the best like finished is better than done like we just gotta you gotta put it out there and just figure out and three be okay with learning as you go There is no way to know everything before you start. Therefore, if you're still procrastinating because you want it perfect, in this world, there is no such thing as perfect. So you might as well decide something else to do because you're not going to begin in the first place. 
okay, that was good. That was all also things that all of the above I've, I have experienced personally and done indefinitely. <laughs> Not indefinitely. <laughs> I have done all of the above. I'm prepared for indefinitely. I love a good word. I love a good word use. You know, I try. I actually made it a goal of mine. This is so so lame it's gonna show how nerdy I can be sometimes but I was I used certain words often Mm -hmm. I was like I even told my husband I'm like we need to look up synonyms and find (laughs) new words because vocabulary is so amazing and it just wait I went to school for a long time so I kind of want to sound like I know know more words okay fantastic and amazing you know like I was gonna say (laughs) you need to tickle my fancy what words were you looking for synonyms for please help me uh I was looking my husband says nice all the time so I was trying to look for nice uh, I say amazing or excited or fantastic. Um, I really like the word exacerbated, <laughs> but I don't use it that much. But I feel like well, it just makes if it you sound don't, than I really but see, I use that word. I do, but like I love like oh, that was seriously hyperbolic. Uh, Hyper doesn't do much for me. Hyperbolic is just my thing. Um. But exacerbated, I mean, it works. It totally works. But I think it's just because it's got to be the right sentence. You can't just like no, use you it on can't. a day basis. No, you can't because then it has to be in a professional setting like, for because sure. Because if you do use exacerbated in the wrong, not in the wrong context, but just with a high frequency, like you are actually being hyperbolic. Because like seriously, you're doing too much. Um, I'm just being bougie as hell. Is what I'm trying. That's exactly what I'm going for. Sometimes, sometimes that is the way the truth in a life and it will set you free we have to be okay with as especially as women of color to be okay because we get that term right oh you're she's being bougie but it's like maybe i'm just a bad bitch sometimes and like <laughs> i can be okay with that i just thought of um of lizzo so <laughs> i can't think of the lyrics but i could hear her like in my head with the beat uh, like you could have, you could have had a bad bitch. Um, not the what you say, not the middle. Yeah. Oh, I gotta play that song. Yeah, in yeah, this yeah. Part. This is I can't like I can't sing that for you if I wanted to because I'm gonna ruin it. But it is true, and I think it just speaks to like, and I people people love that song for a plethora of reasons. But I think it's just this notion of like, have some goddamn confidence in who you are, what you know. And which you know you have the capacity to do. Stop doubting yourself. I find myself saying to people weekly, like, sis, they're not smarter than you. Just so you know. Fable, tell people where they can find you on social media. I am on Instagram. Um, well, I should say Real Brown Girls is on Instagram at Real Brown Girls. If you go to that profile, there is a link to my personal profile, which is Miss Sable B, M S Sable B L E, and then B. And then there's the website, www.realbrowngirls.com. And I will include these all as well in the show notes. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and rate the show. 
And make sure you support me on Patreon because this shit ain't cheap and it ain't free. <laughs> yeah, people don't realize like podcasting comes with costs. Like you can listen for free, but like producing a podcast is not free um, at all. It it could be free. Yeah. But and for those of those people who are really motivated and just really want to just like, start learn how yeah. to self-edit and all that stuff, that's fantastic. Like it could be free. I had about 45 minutes of trying to do it and I couldn't get the software to download and then I couldn't get but not only that, I tell people if and this is very important, if you are in the position or you have the ability, give or take a sacrifice, or you just have a decent amount of, um, I can't think of the appropriate word for it right now. Oh, here it is. Disposable income. Throw some money at it to save some time. So much time. And I have a great producer who he's, he's, he doesn't actually, it's not that expensive. Alan, pretty easy podcast. Um, he's been in radio forever. It's just definitely the time investment is worth. Yeah, all you free up because... space to do like, oh, I don't know, something else you want to do. Shoot, go on vacation, watch a television show, like bowls the laundry, whatever. But it's like what I always thought was like if because some people do get upset with like that's not everyone's reality. One hundred percent understand. But if you do have the capacity to throw some money at it to free up time be it 30 minutes 45 minutes hell two hours by all means like give them their little coin it'll make life so much easier for you much easier and much more preferred it's just such a it's it's way easier and better for me regardless i'm like i can stop getting coffee sometimes to pay for this like it's exactly it's sometimes it's serious. like what one less cookie because i'm the cookie person one less cookie okay fine i'll put the cookie down Mm. I won't buy the box that week or the three because I can go through some cookies like a child. Well, Sable, thank you for calming my nerves. I was nervous to talk to you for some reason. I don't know if it's if it was your website when I was looking it up. Definitely a little bit of procrastination. <laughs> but fear, honestly, comes from it. Mm-hmm. It's the fear of definitely just kind of second-guessing yourself. I don't typically do that, but because I'm still pretty new in this space, mm-hmm. it makes me nervous. So it's it's natural to be nervous. It's natural to feel fear. Like I I can't stand when people are like I'm never afraid. I'm like you're a robot. Um, teach me your ways. Although I don't want to be a robot, that feels a little strange. Um, I can imagine that would feel strange. And I'm glad that you were able to be less nervous as time moved on but even for you and I remind myself too it's like just own your space own no let me start over I remind myself and I'll leave this for you and for those who are listening own your voice that to me that's like step one to this whole like adulthood process own your voice especially as as women of color and I for the record identify as a black woman two don't be afraid to take up space because that's a great they're way. not always um, mutually <laughs> exclusive or inclusive there's some nuance there so own your voice like become comfortable with that but once you do like 
fully come into your body and like take up the space you need to take up. And who gives a shit if someone else is uncomfortable with it? That. Today's episode is sponsored by Rincon Investment Properties, a female-owned real estate company aimed at changing the way that we look at affordable housing, making design and customization available to all people with all budgets. If you're interested, check out more at rinconinvestmentproperties.com. Thanks for listening to the Warrior Her podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another fun episode. Go like, subscribe, rate, and leave a review on iTunes. Until next time, warriors, remember, girls really do run the world. <laughs>